I think Vietnamese cuisine is so much more than you know what 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 we're given credit for because a lot of it is unknown right to to the to the masses right a lot of it is stereotyped into just you know banh mi right you know pho you know vermicelli noodle and rice paper rolls and when people think about vietnam you know when they say oh that's awesome vietnamese food i'm like man that's that's just like what we eat on the street this is the deep in the weeds podcast i'm anthony huckstep Two decades ago, the word fusion was a thing to avoid. But in Australia, the rich tapestry of different cultures and cuisines means we come to understand and experience a myriad of cuisines. Chefs in Australia, and indeed the world over, have the opportunity to ply their trade in many different cuisines. And in Australia, that experience sometimes translates into some really special food offerings. Kung Nguyen is the owner of Hello Auntie and Barn Meats & Co. Kung, how are you going? I'm good, thanks. You've applied your trade in some pretty amazing Italian restaurants uh, and now uh, leaning into your heritage, you have Vietnamese restaurants. What was it like in those early days as a chef learning Italian cuisine? Um, it was quite natural, actually. Um, yeah, I thought, I didn't think much of it. Um, I hadn't worked in any other... Any type, any other type of restaurants besides Western restaurants. Oh, actually, I was a kitchen hand in a Chinese restaurant in, like, when I first started. You you worked uh, with Nino Zaccali at Pendolino. Is there is there similarities Italian and Vietnamese cuisine you don't think of as being anywhere remotely similar? But are there are there crossovers for you? I think, I think there's crossovers for every cuisine. To be honest, um, just depending on what the what is it? What's important in the in the culture? Does that make sense? Like, it doesn't matter if it's like Indian, you know, like Chinese. Yeah, it's it's all pretty much the the same. It's all all got to do with the philosophy behind, like what what the food means to what the food means to your culture. Before you had Hello Auntie and um, Barn Meats, you had a restaurant that ventured and delved into that world of. Uh, combining those two cuisines what was it like doing that uh it was good it, it had a good um it had a good uh what is it reception from the or response from the public and i thought it was just easy like for me to do because it was like at the end of the day like italian food right is it's a lot of pasta which is you know like noodle and then they have have a lot of what is it like more peasant dishes like and everything's braised right so every culture has like you know or ethnic culture anyway um there's there's a lot of you know things that where you have to kind of stretch the the produce out because you know we come from like poorer countries you have uh, your own restaurants now and you, you multiple multiple venues doing your interpretation of vietnamese food can you take us back to where your interest in food first began before we sort of delve into what you're doing now? Oh, man. Um, I've always really been interested in food uh, from a very, very young age. I can remember even when I was studying like um, design and fashion, I always wanted to, you know, like cook. I, I thought about doing it, but it just, it never, it never kind of, you know, 
touched until I was like, you know, like late teens, early 20s. And how did you get that start in the industry? It was really um, due to circumstance because I'd had a child at a young age and I, I needed something sustainable, like to put, you know, to put food on the table. And that's kind of like, I just kind of fell into it. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny, actually. Take us back to that time. What was it like when you uh, first entered the industry? Do you have any um, memories of the challenges involved? Yeah, it was it was very um it was, very, it was a different time <laughs> actually. It was like over ten years ago. Uh, the challenges I had was I didn't do a traditional apprenticeship because uh, I I needed to like get qualified as fast as I could, so I just did everything full time. And it was hard to get placed in any any good venues because of two things, like the good, you know, like the venues that had you know good names, very reputable. They weren't paying, you know, they weren't paying good. I um, mean, especially they didn't want to take on someone with a you know with a ticket and no ex- no kitchen experience. Does that make sense? So yeah, so I you know I'd be working like just pubs, clubs, cafes, anywhere that I could kind of get a job that was going to pay me like full freight. You opened your first restaurant at uh, the age of 32. What was it like uh, leading up to that um, and creating that concept? Oh man, like there was, the concept was, <laughs> it's actually quite a funny story. Um, there was, if I was going to be honest, there was really no thought process in there, Right. I just knew that Maryfield didn't have a Japanese restaurant. I, I knew how to cook and I liked doing Italian food. And I thought that I would be able to create something that was, you know, um, a combination of the both that, that would, you know, would be able to resonate with the public. So, yeah, it just, that's how it was born. You uh, now have a couple of amazing Vietnamese offerings. T- tell us about your style of food and, and how your interpretation of Vietnamese um, presents on the plate. Oh, my interpretation of Vietnamese cuisine, I think I think Vietnamese cuisine is so much more than, you know, what, what, what we're given credit for because a lot of it is unknown, right, to, to, the, to the masses. Right. A lot of it is stereotyped into just, you know, bun me, right, you know, fur, you know, vermicelli noodle and rice paper rolls. And when people think about Vietnam, you know, when they say, Oh, that's awesome Vietnamese food, I'm like, man, that's that's just like what we eat on the street. Like what what the what the Vietnamese public in Vietnam, that's what they eat for lunch. Right? Or like for breakfast. It's kind of like if you go to if you explore like Thai cuisine, right? It's like you going into a Thai restaurant in Thailand and ordering a pad Thai. Well, tell us, tell us about the cuisine. Uh, we know pho, we know banh mi. What's some of the dishes that you really love about Vietnamese cuisine? I really love like all the peasant dishes, uh, all the all the really weird and wonderful stuff that if if we made it like a hundred percent traditional for the for the Western palate, it it take a while for for it to be accepted because the flavor the flavor profile is is so strong and pungent and it's it's and it's something that they it's not 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 what is it the public's not really used to it yet 
it's kind of like how right now it, it's like how long I, I don't know the history, but do you remember shrimp paste? Right. Look how long it took it took for the Australian public or the Western culture to kind of understand shrimp paste and fish sauce. Right. And then and like even tripe, but tripe is very prevalent with a lot of Western culture as well. Like, you know, the, the Irish, you know, the Brits, you know, even the Italians, the Greeks, we all eat, you know, they all have tripe. But it's just cooked, you know, it's just done with um, different flavor profile. And it's just pe- what people are kind of accustomed to. You grew up in the inner west of Sydney. Tell me about uh, what it was like growing up and the role that food played. Um, growing up in the inner west was was good. I love it. It was um, – I, I grew up in Newtown at the beginning and then we moved to, we moved to Marrickville. Um, food, food is, has always been prevalent in – with my family, uh, we we were in the rag trade for a very long time, and we would use um, we used to take turns cooking dinner, my family, and I remember oh, this would answer your question before about <laughs> my connection with food. I remember, <laughs> I remember like just being really young and just always wanting to eat other things besides Vietnamese food, right? Because that's all my parents would cook, and then I would always, you know, I would always say to my mum like, "Can we do like family dinner?" Like, so, like, we will all take turns in cooking dinner. So that's how, like, I was introducing Western, you know, Western food into into my household and even to the point where my mom started, cook, you know, like cooking it because, you know, she, she'd like what I was making, but then she'd put her spin on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's look at Hello Auntie and uh, you've got a couple of uh, sites with that and um, it's not – traditional cuisine but leans heavily on it can you can you talk about a couple of dishes that you have on the menu and and how um it sort of typifies your approach to cooking yeah um well right now i have this dish it's it's a peasant dish and it's called tethelko and what it is essentially it's a braised pork dish uh i've done it every like every i've reinterpreted it every few years and the more it's it's the more and more I I revisit the dish, the more and more traditional it gets. I think it's got to do with me accepting my heritage because a long time, for a long time, growing up in Australia, it was very hard. I, you know, I battled with my identity for a long time. Uh, and now, as I as I get older, uh, I'm finding that you know I have more of a co- connection to my roots, uh, and I express that through the food um, with the dish now um yeah we braise it the same way uh it's my mother's recipe that i've kind of just adjusted the ratio of the sugar and sodium level um but what i've added to it is um the pairing of you know of the garnish so before like they they serve it with eggs um but i'll put like broad beans so the broad beans will add like a nice bitter texture yeah bitter taste you know, a bit of texture, and um, it's a two-part process that I do now, and we we smoke it, we cold smoke the meat, like after we braise it, so it adds a different um, flavor profile. What's been the response to your sort of modern interpretation of Vietnamese cuisine in the market, and and where do you see Vietnamese cuisine uh, in Australia at the moment? Uh, the response for our cuisine in the market, I think it's I think it's very positive. 
Um, of course, you're going to have your purists that are just going to, you know, just not like what we do, which is fine. I'm like with for me with Italian food, like I'm a purist with you know pizza and risotto, so like I 100% get it because you know um, there's just people that just you know want the tr- like really traditional you know things, but I think with you know the way Vietnamese food is, especially even right now in, in Vietnam, they're doing really really like new and exciting things. And it's like with chefs like myself, ex, expats um, all over the world that, you know, like that live abroad, you know, Germany, Sweden, France, like the stuff that they're doing right now in Vietnam is like phenomenal. Like it's um, like truly unbelievable. You said that you entered the industry out of necessity, um, but you've built an amazing career and have uh, multiple restaurants. What, what What's, what's the last decade been like for you and, and what's been the challenges in running your own restaurant compared to those early days of just learning the trade? The challenge for me running my, my own restaurant is um, having to find the balance between being a chef and being a business owner because the mindset is 100% different. Uh, as a chef, I just think about the food. I just think about, you know, making, making tasty food and you don't really think about much else. But as a business owner, I have to contemplate like, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, the whole picture. I have to think about my team, my staff. I have to think about how, how it's going to be sustainable. Um, yeah. So the mindset, the mindset is different. And sometimes, you, you know, you have to make compromises where as a chef, you wouldn't, you wouldn't make any compromises, but as a business owner, you have to sometimes make a compromise. You mentioned a bit earlier that um, when you were growing up, um, you battled with your identity and you wanted to eat anything other than Vietnamese food, which was in your family home. T- take us back to that time. What, what, what was that battle like for you? Um, yeah, it was hard because I, I went to a predominantly, like I was a predominantly Western school with all, like I think there was only maybe, there was only two Vietnamese people in my class, maybe 20 in the whole school. So, and just trying to be accepted as well. And I, just, I still remember in, like when I was in primary school going to after, you know, like after school care, like just still, like still being told to, you know, to get out of the country and just stuff like that. So it was, yeah, it's, it was, man, it was, <laughs> it was different time, I tell you. What sort of impact did that have on, on you? It was, it was kind of heartbreaking, you know. Um, it's just, just not knowing, like, where you belong. And also for me, like, and because I lived in, a, a, when I moved from Newtown to Marrickville, Marrickville back then was like a Vietnamese, Lebanese and Greek area. But I wasn't accepted as Vietnamese because I didn't have any Vietnamese friends. And I didn't go to like an Asian school, right? So, you know, Marrickville was full of, you know, like a lot of ethnics, but all my friends were, you know, from, from Newtown still. So like, yeah, my upbringing was, was quite different. You found a solace, you found, you found a career and solace in food. What's the camaraderie been like and how important has that been uh, in your development as a chef? Um, oh, man, like the... The industry is fantastic. And I always say, like, people always ask me, like, how have I lasted so long? It's because I love it. Um, you really need a lot of grit. 
Um, and the camaraderie camaraderie is is fantastic. Uh, even more so now with the the young you know the young chefs now. Um, before it was really, I, th- I think like secretive, like no one really wanted to share anything. But now with you know the way the the world is with the media and everything, like people just share knowledge. Like I, you know, if I need a recipe, if I, I'm stuck with something, I can ask you know one of the chefs that I you know I speak to on Instagram or Facebook, you know, and like they they're willing to help me like work you know work work through my problem with the recipe, yeah, and you know and vice versa. You've created uh, multiple venues over the last um, couple of years. What sort of impact had uh, did COVID have on the operations of your businesses? Well, COVID was was very very tough. Uh, I was very concerned with my staff, um, more so until I, and then I realised, like man, it's like I needed to look after myself as well. Uh, but if I'm being a hundred percent honest, like COVID. COVID helped me a lot. It helped me really, you know, find find myself again, like as a chef and as a person. You said that you really love the industry. Um, take us to, into the kitchen. How do you think about dishes and, and what do you love about creating something new? Uh, right now, my philosophy to like Vietnamese cuisine, at least, is I want to take something like old, and create it in a new way without, yeah, without disrespecting or like losing the too much of its essence in the in bringing it, giving it a new what is it, giving it new meaning. You said that uh, COVID helped find yourself as a chef and a person. Can can you explain uh, that to me? I think it's it's it goes back to you know my you know, my battle with my identity. So for like after when I first opened Hello Auntie, like I had like clear vision about what I wanted to achieve with Vietnamese food. I had you know a lot of drive, and and I think you know the first one or two years with uh, with with the food that I was doing was was very strong and it was you know on the path to what I wanted to do. And then when when they kind of when I started opening other businesses and I, th- I believe that I grew a little bit too fast and I lost, I kind of lost my way like with, with what I wanted to achieve with, with the food and, and who I was. And I was like losing my way came with like losing my identity as well. Cause I, th- I thought that I had to be a certain, a certain way and cook a certain way for, you know, to, for the public. And then when COVID happened, it kind of, it made me realize that, man, it's just like with everything that was going on, like I needed to go back to my roots and just, you know, just remember like what I did at the beginning, it was successful. It was good. And it was something that I really wanted to do and wanted to achieve with Vietnamese food, especially. Um, And that's kind of what I, yeah, what I went back to. You mentioned Vietnamese street food a little while ago and you created um, Barn Meats and Co. Um, doing um, some pretty amazing things. Can you tell us about the creation of that and what you're doing? Well, oh man, with Bar Meets & Co, it was really my interpretation of, well, my, well I think the, you know, the, the banh mi or like, you know, the Vietnamese sandwich can be, because ideally it's just meat and bread, right? And when I was in Vietnam, like the best, the, the best, like, you know, banh mi places 
like just was purely just like these great cold cuts or like even like um, nice cuts of beef. I'm not beef, um, pork, right, with pate and very few other fillings, like no pickles, no – like it wasn't like this huge like sandwich stuffed with like the way – like how we get it here. Does that make sense? So, I try, I, yeah, I tried to recreate that and and it was it was it was hit and miss right and i cuz i tried to yeah i i thought i was thinking too much and i was trying to be too clever and it wasn't until you know i just went back to basics and kind of kind of really um condensed like all the best sellers and just removed remove the noise um that's when it became yeah became really really successful i just yeah just made everything really really simple yeah you mentioned earlier that you used to have cook-ups at home and you would introduce western food to the family do do you remember is there any dishes that you remember uh, cooking for your family that they hadn't experienced before? Yeah, like roast chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I did roast chicken. I made, I remember making, oh man, like I remember back in the 80s, right? You know, the, the biggest thing was, do you remember spaghetti sandwiches, baked bean sandwiches? <laughs> do you remember that? Like in high school? Dude, it's like I didn't even have ham, like I didn't have any of that ham sandwiches, like, you know, peanut butter sandwiches going to school. So my mum would always, like we, because like they were all too, always too busy working. So I'd always get lunch money, right? And I'd always be buying meat pies at school. Back then you could get a meat pie and a drink, right? For like $2, <laughs> right? So I remember, and then making all these stews. And I remember like the meat pie, I'm like, oh man, this is just tastes like one of my, you know, like one of my mom's stews, but in pastry. So I would, you know, I would, or a sausage roll, right? So I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go and I'd try to get like, um, like short crust pastry. I didn't know what puff pastry was back then, but, I'd, you know, I'd get, buy pastry from the supermarket and I'd get my mum's, you know, stew and then I'd, you know, I'd, I'd put it in a pie. Wow. I'd make that, yeah. And then I remember eating, you know, making spaghetti sandwiches at home. <laughs> and and my mum's and my mom's like, what's that? Because it, you know, it come out of a can. <laughs> so she, she saw that I kept buying these can, this canned spaghetti. And then one, so my mum makes, you know, she decided to make it one day. Right, and she'd made um, this this uh, ragu out of like you know beef mince, but then you know she'd Asian it up by you know putting like miso, soy sauce, like quail eggs in there. But she didn't she didn't know how to make a tomato sauce, so she just used like tomato paste as well. So this thing was like it was I still <laughs> I still have memories of it now, man. Like it's like every time I'm as every time she used to make it before, like I'd love eating it, but I'm, I just remember this is this is not it. But it was like it was it was so cool. And like now, now every time she makes it, I love eating it. But back when I was growing up, I was just be like, oh man, she's <laughs> she's stuffing it up. <laughs> was there anything that you cooked and introduced that, that your family didn't like? Um, not really. Uh, I, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't know <laughs> if they didn't <laughs> like it or not. They've, uh, my mom's been really really great. Uh, she's always been very very supportive and encouraged like my development and growth with anything that I do. So yeah, it's not really, I don't, I actually, I think I made, I made a, I made a soup once that no one ate. <laughs> so, 
you learnt your trade in Italian restaurants and now you have um, Vietnamese restaurants leaning on your heritage. But when you're away from the business, what do you like to eat? Man, like if you asked me this question, like, a, you know, like even two years ago, it'd be totally different. Uh, but right now, I, I like to eat like anything that I am not cooking. <laughs> so... so so I'm to look uh, on a on a serious on a serious note. On a serious note, um, I like I like eating really really simple things, like like nothing too too like overly complicated. Just like just meat and veg, steak. Uh, like even even to a point where sometimes I'll just eat vegetarian. Yeah, just to kind of get away from the noise. And right now I'm. I'm a purist with like the food. Like, so if I eat a steak, I'm just going to like out of the, you know, the, yeah, out of the business, I just eat with, you know, good cut of meat, dry aged or like um, a really nice grain fed or grass fed and just with salt and pepper, bit of lemon. That's, that's it. You're a part of the new wave of um, Sydney chefs and uh, restaurants at the moment. What excites you about the food scene in Sydney? Oh man. I think this food scene in Sydney is is gaining gaining like great momentum. There's a lot of great young chefs, a lot of like really passionate people that are um, becoming a real like driving force in Sydney. Um, and there's a lot of great concepts coming up. I um, mean, COVID's fun. COVID's like being able to, what, what is it? Like um, birth? Is that would that be a correct word? Yeah, birth a lot of new venues. Like I, you know, there's a, there's a lot of great venues popping up now. You mentioned that the um, changes you're allowed, able to implement because of COVID has been a real help for your businesses and yourself um, with what you do. What, what's the plans for the next mm. couple of years? Um, we've got a we've got our for growth for our company we've got our eye on a few few locations that we're scouting um we've got a we have this uh legacy legacy program in place with the company where we help out help the people that work with us over over long periods of time uh we give them opportunity to be business owners so it's something that it's 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 good for us it's good for them um yeah, and it's and it's it's all about what we practice as well. Um, just kind of giving the giving new future to yeah to our staff. You mentioned the challenges involved with identity growing up, and then also with your own food uh, later on as a as a chef. Um, what are you most proud of? Um, if I'm completely honest, it's what I'm most proud of is not got to do with the food it's got to do with um what i've been able to do with my team um i've able to help them grow as individuals and you know and professionals to the point where you know there's people that came to me with zero experience right and now i like running my business and within the next two or three years they're going to be owning like you know a business so for me, like just being able to pass on the knowledge, the skill set, 
like everything that I've been able to accumulate within the past, you know, 20 years, you know, I've, I'm able to pass that on to people that, you know, people around me. Well, that is an amazing uh, legacy. Uh, uh, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds to share your story and look forward to see what's next for you. Um, please keep in touch and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.